Our Bible reading this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the verses 1 through to 13. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favourable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favourable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labours, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honour and dishonour, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true as unknown and yet well known. As dying and behold, we live. As punished and yet not killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. This is the word of our Lord. Our text verse, verse 2. For he says, in a favourable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favourable time. Now is the time of salvation. That's the topic this morning. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, we sometimes give up too easily. I must admit, I gave up on the Panthers to win the grand final. With this, I missed the greatest opportunity to witness the greatest comeback, win in the final minutes. And to watch the highlights is never the same as to share in excitement. We give up too easily. It's not only on sport, but on our relationships, our marriages, our friendships, our work, sometimes even our church. And when this happens, we feel betrayed, annoyed, angry. And yes, we sometimes have good justification for giving up. We know that. I'm too stressed. I'm burnt out. I don't feel the excitement or joy anymore. So what's the reason that you are giving up? There must be an obvious reason for giving up. And mostly it is because you have lost faith in the outcome. You have lost faith in others. And if we want to be dead honest this morning, 
There's an obvious reason for giving up. You have lost faith in yourself. The Apostle Paul could have given up in this congregation of the Corinthians. No one would have blamed him. When you read 2 Corinthians, you see that Paul's name was slandered as an apostle by false teachers who wanted to put a congregation under the law again. These were false teachers of Judea working in the congregation and they challenged Paul's ministry around every corner. So much that he had to defend his ministry several times. These false teachers saw the law of the Lord as the only way of redemption. And they declared that they could earn their salvation by doing good works in total obedience to the law. And they attacked Paul. They led a campaign of gossip and suspicion. They slandered Paul's ministry, claiming that Paul was a murderer, not as worthy as they were. And the worst was that Paul was not defended by the church. And he was forced to defend himself. The Corinthians even boasted about this false teachers. How they were better than Paul. And by doing that they forgot the sacrifices Paul made for their sake. What would you do if you were in Paul's situation? That's not only ministry, but also at your work, at your marriage. What would you do if there's no appreciation for all the work and sacrifices you have made, and then they claim as well that others are much better? Would you give up? Most of us would. And we do. But when will you continue with your task? When you really love that person even more than yourself. And I think any parent, and especially our sisters, can relate. Sometimes there's not much appreciation for the early mornings, the late nights, the clean homes, the many trips that you need to make. But you continue. Why do you continue? You continue because you love your children or your husband more than yourself and you have a calling. The Apostle Paul would have been justified if he walked away from that congregation. But his calling and the love for the congregation were even more than his disappointments. And therefore, he was appealing to them, begging from them not to receive the grace of God in vain. Verse 1. And so the language that Paul used was emotional, passionate. He declared that God, working together with him, appealed to men and women to receive God's reconciliation in Christ. And this is to receive his grace. God could have walked away from us as well. God had all justification to do that. We were created to know and proclaim God prophetically, to love God priestly, and to live royally together 
And it all leads to the creation of humans, the human's purpose to praise God and glorify Him. But we miss that purpose. When Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, not to glorify Him. When they chose themselves and not God. And that fall has so poisoned our minds, our nature, that we are now born sinners, corrupt from conception. And this is our misery. We who were created by God to glorify Him, live for ourselves. And we are guilty before God, deserve to be punished with the temporal and eternal punishment and body and soul. This is hell. What's more, what the Bible says concerning the extent of our depravity applies to every individual. Paul tells us in Romans 3, and he leaves no room for the notion that some people are more or less sinful than others. All are equally and depraved, he said. He said to Romans 3 verse 10, Are we Jews better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. And Paul did not stop there. Not only must all people admit to the fact of being depraved, but people must also admit the great depth of their depravity. Paul said that all people must admit that their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. And the venom of asps is under their lips that snakes. Their mouths are full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. If it wasn't for Jesus' sacrificial love, we were lost. And Paul said to no uncertain words in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 to 19, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. God's plan of salvation is sent his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to bring his children from Satan's, Satan's kingdom over the boundary back in Jesus' kingdom. And it was all the Lord's work. God sent Christ to the cross for me. He did not give up on me. And so doing, God reached down into the depravity of sin to pull me out. And the great death into which God had to reach spells out all the more the extent of God's mercy and kindness in saving a wretch sinner like me. And God was doing all that. And still the congregation followed false teachers, slandered Paul's name and ministry. And like the Lord could have walked away, Paul could as well. But he rather pleaded with them in verse 1, to not receive the grace of God in vain. What did Paul mean by these words? Can we receive the Lord's grace in vain? 
What did Paul say to the congregation? And he quoted Isaiah 48 verse 49 verse 8. In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The great church reformer Martin Luther gave some great insight in these verses. When we are justified, and that's through Christ, it is as though a doctor has just administered a sure and certain remedy for a fatal disease. And though the patient may still endure a temporary struggle with the remaining effects of his illness, the outcome is no longer in doubt. The physician pronounces the patient cured, even though a rehabilitation process must be carried out. And so so is this with our justification. In Christ, God pronounces us just by the merits of His Son. And along with that declaration, God administers something to us. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit begins immediately to work within us to bring us to to a holy living. R.C. Sproul also explained, the New Testament contains a paradox with respect to sanctification. The Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for God is at work within you, both to will and to do. Philippians 2, verse 12-13. There are two agents working here. We are called to work, and God promises to work as well. And we call this activity synergism. It's a cooperative effort between God and man. And so the Corinthians Christians had received the grace of the Lord. They would not be Christians if they had not received the grace of the Lord. But having received it, that they were potentially guilty of receiving the grace of God in vain, and so Paul pleads with them not to do that, but to accept the ministry of reconciliation. Many struggle, Christians struggle at this point. Is God supposed to do that or am I supposed to do that? And the answer is yes. God does it and we do that. God gave the life in Christ completely. But we need to accept that with a believing heart, as the catechism tells us. Trust God, rely on Him, and get to work and be faithful. And by quoting and applying Isaiah 49 verse 8, Paul wanted to give the Corinthians Christians a sense of urgency for them to keep the focus. God has an acceptable time for us to work with His grace. God has a day of salvation that will not last forever. This is no time for Christian life consumed with ease and comfort and self-focus. It's time to get busy, to be workers together with Him. Therefore, beloved, we sometimes give up because we lose focus. And as a result, the the goal becomes lost. Or we question if it's still worth it. And while working together and towards something, it's natural to feel stressed, overwhelmed sometimes, tired sometimes. But if the goal becomes lost we start to question if it's worth it. And while setting a plan or course of action, 
It's always important to take to heart the result that you want to achieve. So what's the goal for a Christian? The Apostle Paul taught the Corinthians already in his first letter in chapter 9 that Jesus should be our goal. And we are to treasure the Lord Jesus Christ and His work the most of all. And when Jesus is our treasure, our goal, we will commit our resources, our money, our time, our talents to His kingdom work in this world. And our motivation for what we do is important. And Paul encourages us that God has an eternal reward for those who are motivated to serve Jesus Christ. He said in Colossians 3, verse 23 to 24, Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we live sacrificially for Jesus, or serve Him by serving the body of Christ, His congregation, we store up treasure in heaven. And then, when Jesus comes again, we will receive the crown that will last forever. And this crown that we will receive makes it worth it. And our salvation in Jesus should be the reason why we are not giving up. And when the congregation need more convincing not to receive the grace of the Lord in vain, and to follow false teachers, their false doctrine. Paul also held his ministry as an example to them. Paul reminded them of the trials he had endured for them. He had been a man of patience. Paul had not quit when things have been tough. He received beatings, imprisonments, riots, Labor, sleepless nights, hunger. Was it worth it? And he said, yes, because he depended on the power of the Spirit so that he could manifest the fruit of the Spirit, such, such as purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit himself, genuine love and truthful speech. And then Paul gave the most remarkable tool to us, an answer why we shouldn't give up and receive the Lord's grace in vain. We read in verse 7, seven And the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. We think immediately of Paul's image and description of the armor of God in Ephesians 6. In the outfit of the Roman soldier, Paul saw in Ephesians 6, the symbol of the armor, armor worn by Christians. The soldier would first fasten his belt, next put on his breastplate, and then put on his sandals. And also having, having taken up his shield with his left hand, and now holding it, taking his sword with his right hand, holding it in readiness for immediate use. And by holding the weapons of righteousness, this is Christ's righteousness that he has obtained for us on the cross. For the right hand and for the left, we have both offensive 
and defensive weapons. We have the doctrine of truth and the power of God for His Holy Spirit to protect us on all sides, everywhere, and on all occasions. And with these weapons in our hands, we can endure. We can continue through all the calamities, insults, and being treated as an imposter. We can continue, says Paul, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We are treated as imposters, and yet we are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. Paul's enemies gave an evil report of him, but God gave a good report. That's the most important. <coughs> the Corinthians had little appreciation for Paul's ministry. Yet Paul was rejoicing in the Lord. Paul became poor, leaving his earthly riches behind. Yet he was making many rich through the gospel of Christ. Paul had nothing in earthly possessions. Yet he possessed everything in Christ. Paul confessed in Philippians 3 verse 8, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So why did Paul not give up in the Corinthians? Gave the last reason in verses 11 and 12. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted to us by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your heart also. Paul did not give up because of his love for them. And his heart is still wide open. This is why parents are not giving up on their children. You love them too much. This is also why the Lord did not give up on us. Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20, You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 23, You were bought with a price, do not become bond service of men. And Jesus shed his blood for us. So do you think he made a mistake in saving us? Oh, Jesus is perfect in every way, so don't give up on God because God never gave up on us. He even sent His Son to die on the cross and die for us. What does it look when you give up? You stop praying. You stop reading your Bible. You stop worshipping and worshipping and fellowshipping with the church. You become isolated. And this makes you vulnerable to the enemy who is roaming around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5 verse 8. And this is exactly what the Corinthians did when they followed false teachers. 
And therefore Paul was pleading today. Do not receive the Lord's grace in vain. Come back to the Lord. I want to conclude. We do suffer sometimes. We are getting exhausted. And sometimes we do not feel appreciated as well. Also the ministry of God and the ministry where we serve in church can sometimes be painful. It's never easy. But we can endure and be faithful. And God is calling us to be dedicated in His service. And this is very personal, directed at you and me. Jesus said in Matthew 24 verse 13, But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And if you know yourself, you also know that you can't do it in your own strength. You can only do this through the Lord to give strength. Therefore, we need to pray, brothers and sisters, constantly. Go to the Lord in prayer. And because of that, we need to be more dedicated, more obedient, more serving, more giving, more forgiving. Our eyes only directed on Jesus, our goal. And it's all worth it. Never give up. One day at our deathbed, we can say like Paul in 2 Timothy 4 verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And for you, why about to give up? You feels that it's not worth it anymore. Also for you, think the world offers more. Paul, know the Lord is pleading not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I listen to you. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, sometimes we are getting exhausted thinking of giving up, thinking, why do we even bother? But you assured us that you never gave up on us. You gave your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we should continue, continue as your church, your people, continue to walk as you want us to walk through your word and spirit, even though we are not feeling appreciated. But we should always keep in mind our Lord Jesus Christ and the goal that he wasn't appreciated, that everyone walked away from him, that he was isolated and alone on the cross. But it's for me. Father, we pray that you will renew our strength. That you will renew our focus. So that we can come back where we have sinned. And know there we, there's repentance, there's also forgiveness.
And that's your praise. That we will repent daily. Come to you in our life of sanctification. Where we embrace our Lord Jesus Christ by faith. And a godly living. We thank you Lord for the grace that you have bestowed upon us. By grace alone we've been saved. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.